being an entrepreneur and building a business is hard. You know, you you dig in and you have to keep going. But if you drive it off a purpose, if you drive it off determination, if you have that vision, if you have that goal, if you keep going, it's the thing that will get you out of bed every single morning. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is someone that I have wanted to have on the show since it launched. Trust me, she is a lady that you are going to want to listen to. She is an international speaker, best-selling author, and a serial entrepreneur. Her impressive career path has been incredibly diverse, and she knows everything there is to know about designing, growing, and building businesses. As one of the UK's most influential female entrepreneurs, she has been featured in Grazia, The Telegraph, BBC News, the list goes on and on. She teaches at the London Stock Exchange and is affiliated with the UN. Her book, Brand Famous, will teach you how to get everyone talking about your brand. And her school, The Business of Brand, will help you turn your own profile into an asset, as well as understanding the DNA of your business. Some might say that now is a tough time for entrepreneurs and businesses. Others will say that disruption equals opportunity. I am mega excited to introduce you all to Lindsay Boyd. Hello. Wow. Welcome. What an intro. <laughs> thank you very much for having me on your show. Oh, thank you for being a guest. Honestly, Lindsay, I could have, that intro doesn't even cut it. And to be honest, as I said at the start, you know, I've wanted to have you on the show since it launched because, you know, we... We met so long ago, didn't we? So we basically met like seven years ago. You know, we were both um, at baby gymnastics. We were both potty training our kids at the same time, which is why I just remember us carrying around stickers and potties, which was hilarious. (laughs) And then, yeah, basically we've both, well, safe to say we've both been pretty busy since then. We have. And um, and catching up with you and I've watched your journey over the eight years. And obviously our children are now grown up. Well, eight, not in nappies. And um, it's been fantastic to be able to watch your journey and then come on the, on the show with you. So thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Oh, no, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think that all the listeners are going to get so much out of it. So I guess to kick it off, I have heard you've said, Lindsay, there are so many people out there who are capable of big things. They just don't know the steps to make it happen. I couldn't agree more. On this show, I'm all about actionable steps, things that people can do, taking action and making change. So I'm going to start with quite a big question, which is, In a time that there seems to be so many businesses, so many brands, it feels like every industry is crowded. So how can people take their business or their own personal brand and stand out? Oh, gosh, you know, that is such a good question. And um, um, 
interestingly, one of the key questions that people ask, because like you just said, the market is so unbelievably crowded. And what we always say to people is there's been a tipping point in each industry where saturation occurred and it's happened in many different industries. And what we talk to people about, there's a key ingredients that people are still doing, and it's typically 87% of the market. And most of the market are still going out and pushing their business their brands onto the marketplace. That means they're selling to the market. And what we find is in this day and age, because of that, you'll find that everybody's competing for the same place and everybody's competing for the same space. And so if you look and you Google many different brands in different industries, what you're now finding is they're all showing up looking the same, speaking the same, acting the same. And because of that, everybody's having to spend a lot of money on marketing budgets, um, Google ads, clickable ads, advertising, and the spaces have become crowded. So what we teach people is to move their business from a push business model to a pull business model and be able to pull the market in, literally attract the market into you rather than selling to the market. And the only real way of doing that is by building a business model that takes you end to end. It drives through the brand, through all the product system, through the channel strategy and through the sales process. And what we tend to find is in order to do that, you have to switch your business model literally from a 20th century business model to a 21st century business model with a 21st century mindset. Mm, Well, I mean, interestingly, as you said that about the 20th versus the 21st century, I feel personally like that's where, you know, so many of the brands that I either work with or consult for, or, you know, even just the things that you create yourself now as a personal brand, because let's be honest, everyone, everyone now, I believe has a personal brand. It's almost like the people that don't want to accept that, you know, that innovation and social media and podcasting and audio content and all these things, it's almost like there's two camps and the people that don't want to I don't know whether it's it's more traditional, you know, mainstream marketing, whatever you want to call it. It just seems very divisive. And I think that those people, I always, you know, obviously have the mindset that they'll get left behind and that you've got to keep up and all the rest of it. But do you agree as well that everyone now, regardless of whether you own a small business or whether you want to or whether you yeah, freelance doing something for yourself, that it's important to have a personal brand? Oh, so um, look, my sweet spot and my topic, right? I teach businesses how to build a business, but also I teach them about the importance not only of their business brand, but of the people brands. Well, I go out and I speak around the world on stage. And when I go out and speak on stage, um, I say to people, look, everybody is now a brand. It's no longer a choice whether you want to be about a brand. It's how you choose to show up. And the reason for that is because everybody is now being Googled. And what that means is when you're going for a job interview, when you're going to speak on stage, anything that you're doing, people will Google you. And interestingly, when I've been flying around the world and speaking on stage, I did research. And what I did over the last five years is look at what's the first three things that people do. And what I've realized is the first thing that people are doing is Googling you. Then they're looking at your social media, number two. So Google is actually number one. Then social media is number two. And the third thing they're doing is looking at your website. So if they're 
first thing they're doing is looking at the people and the people brands. And the third thing they're doing is looking at the website. Why are businesses still investing all their money on the business strategy and not on the brands of the people? Mm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think the thing, you know, you mentioned about social media, I still think people think of social media profiles and that thing of oh if you want to be an influencer or if you want to have loads of followers whereas I think people who go well I'm building a business that's selling this product or I'm the you know CEO of this company so it doesn't matter if I have a profile it doesn't matter if I post you know on social media or not because they don't want to be an influencer and I think often I'm like no you don't have to be an influencer you don't have to have lots of followers but I do think it's important that as you said people are going to look to see what you, what do you stand for? What are your values? What are you doing? What are you talking about in the world as well as what your business is talking about? So interestingly, um, there are a few ingredients that we speak about. First one is that um, your personal brand is not a social media exercise. Um, it can be. I'm all I'm a huge advocate of social media. Obviously, you know, you and I, we have social channels and, and we're using them often. But when I work with I work with CEOs, celebrities, influencers, um, government heads, people from the UN and so forth. And a lot of these people that I work with, there's two camps. There's either a social person or an antisocial person. And the antisocial person, I worked with somebody and his profile, he would never go on social media. His whole profile was built without ever going on social media. And if you Googled him, he would have an extraordinarily strong profile on Google. And when I teach people how to build their personal brand, never mind the business brand, what we do is we have 10 channels within which to build it off. And only one of those channels is social. And what we say to people is your personal brand is your brand power. And when you're going in for an interview or you're going for a partnership or somebody wants you to go and do an article or something like that, what you'll find is there's two people that will walk in for that job. And when you walk out of the room, the computer will open and they will Google you and they will have a look and they will see who you are. And if you're not showing up, or if the other person is showing up and they look great, then typically the person with the profile wins and they walk into the job. And this goes for pay rises. This goes for people working with partnerships, people buy into brand. And what they want to know is, do you have a strong business brand and do you have a strong personal brand? And the thing now is that your personal brand is not only the brand of the organizational CEO or founder. This drives into all of the employer brands and particularly in the industries that are service industries, accountants, lawyers, all the ones that are more traditional. They're the ones that are being Googled the most because mm -hmm. what's happening is all their people are on display or coaching businesses. The, the coaches are going around talking about the founder and the CEO, and then all the coaches are on display and people now buy into people. So they want the human response. They want the human connection. And it's no longer coming from the business brand. And the second thing that people are looking for, and this is what is our calling card, is we say to people, what do you want to be known for? How do you want to leave people feeling? And typically, people will buy into your purpose and who you are and what you stand for and what you want to be known for. And that runs all the way through, not only from the founder, but the employer brands as well. And you have to connect the micro voices of that business with the macro voice of the brand. 
And it's no longer enough that you just have the macro voice of the brand, even around just the purpose, but it has to drive in and connect with the people brands. And most times actually lead with the people brands and no longer just the business brand. Mm. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to come back to this idea of, you know, purpose and um, purpose-led brands because I know that that's what you are all about. But it first, is. I wanted to get your viewpoint on this idea that, you know, the whole, the, the difference between the niche and the expert and then the diversifying your skills. And so the reason this has come up for me is because I think, you know, the old world, the old traditional way was, you know, become an expert, become niche. So do the academic way, you know, do a degree in this, study more, go deep on one pro- one specific topic. And that is how you become an expert. And then everyone will want you because you're an expert in one thing. And we all know the saying, you know, jack of all trade means master of none. However, I believe that, you know, in this new world, I think, you know, the pace of tech and innovation and social and all the things that we can do and being multifaceted, you know, all these different channels. For me personally, I think that being diverse and being multifaceted has given me an an advantage, you know. So do you, yeah, do you think that now going niche or, you know, having this broader skill set is more valuable to people? And if it is the case, then how should people go about, you know, diversifying their, their own skills? Look, we run a business school called Bob and it runs around the world. So we've had about three and a half thousand businesses go through this school in the last three years. And um, we have all different shapes and sizes coming in from startups to scale ups to establish. And we have traditional businesses. We can have a solar paneled business sat next to a fashion designer in the school. And um, I'll go in and teach businesses um, because I come from a trends background and I look at how trends are moving and how to move businesses into new spaces. And what you've just talked about is a big trend that's just about to happen that's going to come out into play in the next three years. And it's called B2P business to people. And what it means is that the next generation from us are fully in business and they are running their own business. And what it means is B2B and B2C will no longer exist anymore. It will only be business to people. And what business to people is, is an integration of channels, multi-channels going across B2B and B2C at the same time. So the whole niche conversation was a pre-digital conversation. It happened in a traditional format because people could only go across one channel at a time because you didn't have access to multiple channels. You didn't. You weren't able to go and sell through an e-shop or a pop-up shop or an Instagram or a, a B2B or, you know, now businesses post-digital, the next generation have been brought up with being able to sell across multiple channels at the same time. So they can go and sell through retail, Instagram, um, e-shop, pop-up shop, all the channels that enable them to go business to people. What that means is that you're now going omni-channel, on and offline at the same time. So the only thing that you can do is now chunk up to going with your purpose and driving off the purpose rather than driving off the niche. So you're no longer going, okay, I'm a health expert and I'm going to go to trainers as an example. You're going, um, I'm here to find, uh, I'm here all about architecting your own health. And in order to do that, I'm going to go across multiple channels with multiple client bases and I'm going to go across new generation clients core clients and influencer clients. And I'm going to have 10 channels and I'm going to speak to them all at the same time. 
And this is a new business model that actually the next generation down are already doing. Hmm. What they don't understand necessarily is how to build it, but they understand the mindset of multiple channels at the same time and no Hmm. longer going niche, but actually going what we describe as B2P business to people going across B2B and B2C at the same time. Hmm. I mean, so many things. And when you're talking about the purpose led and actually start with your purpose, start with the thing that you want to do before thinking about, well, what do people need? What do people want? And actually, I think it's really difficult for people to do that because often you think, well, I'm my purpose is this. And that's really, really clear to me. I know what my purpose is. I would love to do X, Y or Z. However, as you said, it's as because things are saturated and because there's so much competition, people go, oh, well, I'm going to give you an example. Because I work in the health and wellness space, you know, it might be that someone's like, okay, I my passion is to help people to, I don't know, let's say they want to live a vegan life and they want to help others to do the same through supplementation for kids. I'm just making this up. And they're like, right, I want to make a vegan supplement brand for kids. As soon as they go, well, there's 20 others. So, you know, there's already... Oh, they won't bother. Oh, there's already 20 people doing that. And it's, and, and it's, you know, so if the market needed it, then it would, they've got it. Or they'll say, you know, I want to start my own. I've, my passion is travel. My passion is travel. I want to travel. I want to go around the world and actually like, you know, teach and do this and that. But as you said, there's so many people doing yoga retreats. There's so many people doing health and wellness, but it's already done. I can't do it. So that's the, that's the response I hear from people when it comes to following right. their purpose. And then, I'd, and then I'd say the other part is that I mean, I'm going to ask you, Lindsay, to predict the future. But what I'd say is that in this COVID era, you know, like some things afterwards are going to be forever changed. So if someone, how could someone think about what's to come next? You know, you talk about trends and like, what do you think post-COVID will thrive and why? And then if that aligns with someone's purpose and, you know, that's their their mission, then surely now is the best time. Um, So I do an exercise. um, It's called future mapping. And look, I came from a, a trends background, like I said, so I left school at a ridiculously young age of 15. I've been building businesses of my own at the age of 24. And I sold my second business to Caterpillar And um, at the age of 24. So I learned on the job all about building a brand around, not around the products and the benefits, but leading with brand. And then for 17 years, I was fortunate enough to build, renovate and refresh some of the most famous brands on the high street, like G-Star, Superdry, Wrangler, Lacoste, and brought a lot of brands brands back that were dying. And I used to have a process which was called future mapping. And I used to be able to look at trends and be able to predict trends and where they were moving to and how to move businesses literally into future gaps and how you break a trend and how you ride a trend. And um, in this space, what you're really looking to do in in a quick analysis is you want to look at what was going in the market post digital. And you want to look and write down all the different things that were going on in your industry post-digital, what brands, what products, what channels and what sales. And then when you look at the today, you're looking at now to COVID. So put the date from post-digital to COVID, which is now, and then write out if that was happening in your industry post-digital, what is happening in your industry up until now? And what you want to be able to do is look and see where the trend patterns are coming post-digital and to now. Mm -hmm. Then what you want to do is look at the diagram and be able to see and predict what's coming next. And you're able to do that by looking at the gaps in the market. So as an example, we've been going out and saying um, local is a massive trend that's going to come. 
because people are going back to nature. People are looking at local. You're not going to be traveling around the world anymore. People aren't jumping on planes. And so local, local produce uh, quality will be a big trend that comes out. And what we used to do was use this future mapping exercise because what happened post-digital was so many brands came out in the market, you could not do SWOT analysis anymore and be able to predict when things were coming based on competitor analysis or SWOT analysis because nobody knew what brands were going to come in the market and take over the whole of the market. So you had to look at future mapping and look at trends and be able to see what trends were coming and how to spot future gaps. Amazing, amazing. I'm listening to what you're saying and thinking around this, you know, future trend prediction and the fact that, yes, for businesses and brands, for someone who wants to start a business, then, yes, yeah, like, great, look at where, you know, the opportunity is going to be. But again, coming back to that individual level, you know, if you are someone who goes, oh, I want to start a YouTube channel around fashion, as you just described, people aren't going to want to watch like ASOS hauls of you ordering 50 items but actually like you said how if you were to start a page right now like a a youtube channel or i don't know a a series that was like this is how to you know go into your wardrobe look at all the things you have and how we're going to restyle them and how we're going to upcycle as you said you know i think those kind of things definitely i can see that that would be you know really really popular and i think the next generation as we know are so much more they care more about you know sustainability about the the impact about this conscious consumption and i think that there is definitely opportunity in the middle if people are willing to like put the work in and know that it might not happen overnight. I think that's the other thing, you know, it might not be, oh, you start this page and then in six weeks time, you've got half a million subscribers. It might be a slow burn, but I think the people who get there first typically win. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm thinking as well about a lot of the women in my network who all are entrepreneurs. I've got so many friends, Lindsay, who have their own businesses. One friend that springs to mind, Tara, she's just literally opened her own boutique um, gym just before this this happened. It's a personal training gym in the city. A friend, another friend, uh, Natasha, she has a digital marketing agency. Another friend, she's the CEO of an mm-hmm. athleisure brand. Another friend who does branding and design and web design. And sometimes I honestly think it's hard enough to be an entrepreneur, let alone to be a female entrepreneur and I think sometimes we all probably just think when we're having a glass of wine on zoom now we probably just think you know what why do we actually do this surely it would be easier to go and work for somebody else you know do the nine to five go home leave your work so you know when it comes to persevering especially right now if things aren't going to plan if the pace is not where you want it to be how do you figure out a way to keep going when do you know when to keep going and when to stop Right, I'll tell you, um, there's two answers to that. There's a personal answer and then there's a business answer. So let me give you the business answer first before going into personal. There's a trend that's coming because you asked me about trends and it's called Mm -hmm. silo to integrated. And what happened was because purpose became a trend, 
Um, and we say to people, don't just do purpose as a marketing strapline, drive it through your end to end of your whole business model. So you heard me say the brand, the product, the channel and the sales. But the trend then moved or is moving now from silo to integrated. And what that means is that your community, if you've got these individual people that are silo solopreneurs and they're building their business, what we're saying, we built a whole technology platform on it called Bob Earth. What we're looking to do in a, in a society is bring people together to unite. And what that means is, yes, you may have one person that's got a purpose in the health space and they're going out and trying to fight, you know, go out with their purpose around health. If you come together as a collective and move from silo to integrated and be able to get 10, 50, 100 people that have all got their purposes and unite and go after one industry as a collective, that not only builds your own business, but that now shifts an industry because you will go much faster and at speed if you come together as a collective and build your business. What that allows you to do as a single person is now um, be able to ride off somebody else's channel as well as your own and have all the channels together to be able to lead. And you've still got your own area of purpose to lead in that space. Yeah. The second one, from my own personal perspective, so look, I'm uh, four businesses in. I started my first business at 18 and um, I could count so many times when, you know, you're not back. People say it's not going to happen. You know, your business is not going in that direction. You could throw the towel in, you know, every week sometimes and you have to dig in and persevere. The thing that drives you is um, A, the vision. So I remember standing in the kitchen with my mum at age 12 and my mum said, you know, I was going to drop out of school. And my mum said, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, don't worry, mum, I'm going to be as big as Oprah Winfrey. And my mum looked at me and basically thought I had two heads. And I have to say that vision, that purpose, that drive that I am here to shift the world into a new era through the eyes of brands, that I absolutely believe that I've built my whole business around that. It's not about the product. So you can pivot, you can be agile, you can innovate that product, you can innovate that business time and time and time again. And you will and you do. What you will always go with is why you're doing it in the first place. When everything is failing, when everything is going wrong, when things aren't going according to plan, the only thing that will get you out of bed in the morning is why you're doing it in the first place. Mine is to shift the world into a new era through the eyes of brands, to be able to get one earth with one billion purposes, to connect businesses around the world to unite, to learn together, to grow. And so four years of building a technology platform. And, you know, I've had it on credit cards because we ran out of money. You know, we've been like, it's, you know, I've had to rebuild the thing twice before being able to get it launched. Being an entrepreneur and building a business is hard. You know, you, you dig in and you have to keep going. But if you drive it off a purpose, if you drive it off determination, if you have that vision, if you have that goal, if you keep going, it's the thing that will get you out of bed every single morning.
Amazing. I mean, you literally segued me perfectly, Lindsay, getting out of bed in the morning. Power hour is what I'm all about. But I do have one more personal question as we're talking about you and your journey, because I feel like, you know, you can talk about business all day long, but I want to also hear, you know, about you. And, you know, you're a mother of two. And I know your husband has an incredibly successful job uh, business as well. So how do you I mean, A, how do you do it all? I'm sure everyone asks you, but more granular than that, it's like, What's your kind of, I guess, viewpoint on this idea of like the work-life balance, the work-life blend? Is it the case that, you know what? Yes, there's, you, you have to blend and merge everything and just, just go with the flow. Do you have any strategic like non-negotiables in place? And do you believe that there's like a time and a place? Like there's a time for work-life balance and like, oh, you know, switch your laptop off at five and watch Netflix. And do you believe there's a time when it's like, you know what? It's wartime, it's head down, it's time to hustle and there's no place for this balance and, you know, chilling out. Yeah. Amazing question. So here's my thing. First is uh, I drop loads of balls all the time. What I do have is a great uh, support system around me. So um, I have a work husband and I have a personal husband. And I would say they are equally supportive around me. My business partner, Darren Sherlaw, who has three kids, who is, uh, you know, always picking up balls when I'm dropping them. Um, but we, you know, we, we are fa- in our organization. Um, we are family first. And that is what's most important. So what goes in my diary is three months holiday a year. That means that it's brain holiday. So that means I am with the kids on their school holidays and so forth. It doesn't mean that I'm off work. That's a really important statement to make. When I go and do brain holiday, I built a tech platform. I built a board game. I wrote a book. Um, I'm always doing what I would describe as a creative project that's inspiring for me. And for, for other people, that might be considered work. But for me, I call it brain holiday. Um, and so the second thing is I work incredibly hard. Um, I am up at six o'clock or 5.30 every morning. Exercise is imperative for me. So whether it's yoga, Pilates, boot camp Pilates, anything that kind of motivates me. Um, my children are first. So um, anything to do with like, you know, uh, if they're in plays or anything like that, I always prioritize. But I have to say that I get bring my children into my work. So they see me speaking on stage. Um, they watch the videos. My daughter will be like, mummy talking on stage. Or, you know, she'll see me do my vlogs. And when I'm doing business meetings, I'll bring her into the business meetings. Same with my, my son. I've always done that. And I... I work hard and I'm around the kids. And for me, what I always say to people is the most important thing is you find the balance for you. And that balance for you is not the same balance for the person next to you. And as long as you get that balance right for you, stop looking at everybody else. And if I'm up at six and I have to work till 10 o'clock at night one night, and then I go, right, okay, then I'm going to have Saturday and I'm going to have a really good day with my kids and I'm going to do some baking or some sewing, then I'm in that and I'm doing that. But I'm also, sometimes I have to be on a call on Saturday morning and I'm up and I'm doing that as well. And I work what I feel is the work balance for me and I never look at somebody else. And that's how I make it work. And I have two kids and I think that, you know, I'm pretty much there for them. And, you know, and I also work incredibly hard with the business. Hmm. I mean, it's incredibly admirable and also honest, because I think when you're saying, 
you know, do what works for you, but don't you never look at anyone else. I think that's the key part, isn't it? Because I think I do what works for me. And, you know, I'm up early to, you know, the power hour. It's all about getting up up as five, basically, to get ahead of my day. And yes, I've got the best part um, of the day. I mean, exactly. We're going to talk about it. No one's bothering you. So there's that. But then also, I think for me, it's not that I look at other people and think, oh, what are they doing? Or what are they doing? It's not that. For me, it's more the feeling of criticism of others. If someone else, oh, what's that person going to think if I'm doing that? Or it's that that I feel like for me personally, just putting, you know, as a mother, that's where I struggle more. It's not about, you know, comparison for me. It's about the judgment of others and them saying, you know, I don't know whether it's the school teacher, whether it's your mother-in-law, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone who, anyone. And it's so silly because those people, firstly, probably aren't actually judging. They probably don't even care. Secondly, it's not their life or their business or their child. But it's funny how like, you know, the people that just go, oh, I don't care. I do care. So it's, it's difficult. Do you know what I mean? To kind of go to be thick skinned enough to think I know my purpose. I'm working hard. I hope to set a good example, you know, for my son. And as you said, I also, you know, give him opportunities to see my work, you know, to see what I do. Uh, but it is, yeah, I think it's a challenge for a lot of women. I don't know if it's the same for men. I you know, I don't want to just completely stereotype, but I think for a lot of women, especially mothers, they find it hard to kind of put their business or themselves or their, their ambition first or even on a par with, with other things in their life. Um, it's interesting um, because I think because I left school at such a young age and I had my first business at 18, I've always been a business person I've never worked for anyone else in my life so I've always been driven off business and my husband that you know Gary Ward has has got his own business and so forth as well and so we are an entrepreneurial family um what I tend to say to women is um when that when that self-doubt comes in give that person a name so so I uh, this was years ago so mine's called Veruca and when she starts chirping in my ear I kick her to the back of the car and tell her to shut up and um and basically um she needs to sit in the back of the car and I'm driving at the front of the car and she is called Veruca and sometimes she plays up and she is Veruca Salt you know from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and um but the thing is like I've always been in a business world when I was 21 years of age, I was in Korea standing in the factories for four years, having to get products out and delivered into the marketplace. And I had them in seven distribution channels. So I learned very early on the job how to lead and drive the business. And so the doubt side of things, maybe I don't live with as much just purely because I've been so self-driven my whole life and, and never been in a space of ever knowing any different. Mm. But there's also other things that come up for any woman and ever, any mother. You know, for me, it's about the key goal for me is that I will never look back and think, oh, I wish I, I wish I'd done that's the one thing, that's the main thing for me that I look at and my kids and I never want to sit in that space. So I try and have a check-in with myself and go, right, this week, is there anything in this week that I would have looked at and gone, oh, I wish I'd done that. And if I do think that, then I try and go, right, then I'm going to put a day in or an hour in or something like that. And I've been doing it a lot as we've been through the pandemic, because in this period of time, when you're pivoting your business over, and I've had to pivot from going offline to online very, very quickly and get a lot more courses out, get my technology platform, Bob Earth, up and running, um, at this period of time, I've had to do it a lot more and go, right, 
this week, did I spend enough time with the kids? Did I do the baking? Did I actually do what I wanted to do this week? And so I've purposefully switched off on a lunchtime and gone, right, I'm going to go and have lunch with the kids now. I'm going to put the computer down and then I'm going to start up again. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. And actually, when you said then about did I, you know, did will I look back and go, I wish I'd done that. Actually, I think it's also great when you're making big decisions. I had a big decision towards the end of last year. And I was kind of thinking from a business perspective. And I was talking to some wonderful, wonderful woman. And she said to me, you know what, Adrienne, she said, there's three questions to ask. She said, in one year's time from now, will you, you know, will you regret it if you say no? She said, okay, after that, you know, 10 years time from now, if you look back, will you regret it if you say no? She said, if you still can't make up your mind, she said, toss a coin. And obviously, you know, one side is yes, one side is no. She said, if the coin lands and you feel disappointed, then you know your answer. And I was like, it's brilliant because as you said, even things like, you know, with your kids, you know, thinking like you might think, oh, I've got this call to do and I've got that to do. And oh, maybe, maybe not in COVID time, but in normal time, maybe Jude's got a swimming lesson or maybe he's got athletics practice or whatever. And it's like, let's be honest, in 10 years time, you might not look back and remember that call, but you probably will remember, you know, watching them do their their sports or or they certainly will. So I think that's always really, really, really good one to go flip the coin and actually think, would you be disappointed? if you miss that opportunity and nine times out of 10, you know, I think as I think I'm probably very aligned with you and I think nine times out of 10, I'd be far more disappointed to miss a moment with my child. I'll never get back than to miss an opportunity in work that might come again. Agreed. hundred percent. And the other side is know your moments with work. So I sat my kids down when, um, when the pandemic hit and so forth. And I said, right, I'm going to have eight weeks and I need to get my head down. And I explained to them and I said to them, and that means that I will be working a lot. I'll be on the phone and I'm going to get and get my head down and get the business built. In May, if it works according to plan, we should have gone live, which is now where we are. And we should be and I should be in a lighter position to be able to start easing off and start doing lunch and so forth and things like that. And and that way, I brought them along with the journey because sometimes you don't have the luxury of just sitting there and it all being easy breezy. You actually do need to stick in and get dug in and actually get your business moving. And as long as you sit with your kids and bring them along and actually include them in the journey, because if you want your kids to be savvy and entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial led, they actually need to see both sides of business. It can't all be just light and going with the flow. They need to see the other side of business and how that works. Mm, and the reality, right? The hard work. And the reality, the, the hard work. Yeah, not just the kids. I think everybody sometimes needs a dose of that. The amount of people that go, oh, you know, this person's so lucky, that person's so lucky. And you think, ah, oh, you have no idea. You just see the tip of the iceberg, all the yeah. iceberg underneath. That 80% is the graft, is the 530s, is the emails, the calls, the that return. Like it's, it's a lot. But I was going to say, let's talk about the power hour because, oh my goodness, you mentioned it and I was like, yes. So you get up early, talk to us about the first hour of your day. What is it like? Why is it like that? What have you cultivated in that first hour and what do you avoid? Right. The first hour of the day is my golden hour. And it has been has been forever and you could ask anyone that's been around me if they know me they will say oh my god Lindsay is always up at the crack sparrows so I will be up I'll be out of bed I'm a 5 30 person or maybe six o'clock and I love the first hour of the day 
And what I tend to do is walk downstairs, put the kettle on, get the hot water with lemon and ginger. And I will love to sit in a space quietly on my own with a notepad, with a pen. One of my favorite things is just sit and I'll and I'll write out what's in my head. And I've got my cup of tea. And, and ideally, when the sun is shining, I, if the sun is shining like it is now, I'm always sat outside in my garden with my hot water and lemon and I'm sat out there. Um, the other side is then sometimes I'll be doing exercise. I tend to either do yoga or Pilates or I quite like um, a quite a hardcore boot camp Pilates called Legree. Um, so but I'm always doing some kind of physical exercise or I'll have a trainer. I train with a trainer a couple of times a week. So that tends to be a morning activity. And why do you do that? Sorry to interrupt you. Why do you do your activity specifically at that time of the day you know why not do a lunchtime workout or after work like why do you do it at that time oh no I'm, I'm absolutely a morning person come 9 30 I'm passing out on the sofa somewhere <laughs> um with my head in a cup of tea um with a nighttime tea and I'm normally tucked up in bed and and 10 o'clock I'm out for the out for the count mm. so um most things happen for me in the morning I've got high energy and also I find it the most amazing time of day where either it gives me proper space um where it's like it's my time it's me time um or I'm training and I'm red alert and I've got lots of energy and my brain is firing um and I can really utilize that space well by the end of the day like five o'clock I want to be with the kids I want to be hanging out with them I want to have I always you know always try and have dinner with the kids pretty much every single night. Um, I always put the kids to bed. Um, and so for me at the end, of the, and then I'm going to bed myself. Now they're putting me to bed because they're going to bed at half nine, 10, and I'm going to bed before they are. Um, so they're tucking me up in bed at 9.30. <laughs> and so that's my routine. Um, and I've always been a morning person. If I can, I'll go and go for a walk. I'll go sit on the park or they'll come with me on a weekend but yeah, that first hour of the day is my golden hour. And I absolutely honestly, you're, you're speaking my language. And the thing is, people who've listened to the power hour for a lot, long time will know they're like, okay, that is essentially, I call the first hour the power hour because I'm like, you can achieve so much. There's less distraction. As you said, your brain is firing. There's a science behind it. You have more energy. You know, your cognitive function should be at its best. And actually, I think so many people kind of say, even you said then, you're like, I'm a morning person. So I think there's this thing of, oh, I'm either a morning person or I'm not. We, we know that we can, you know, shift and, and, and utilize that time. But I think even now, you know, I guess now if people haven't got to be at a certain place at a certain time because they're working from home or whatever, are you still, you're still getting up early? You're still doing your morning routine? Oh, um, <laughs> 5.30 every morning, I am up. If I'm not up, see, for me, it's not a chore, it's a pleasure. So if I'm not up and I sleep in, I, I miss it. So I regret not getting out of bed. You know, it's a real choice for me if I'm going to get out of bed at like eight o'clock in the morning. I don't set my alarm because I'm, I wake up naturally at half past five every day. So my my rhythm is half past five, six o'clock. The latest I normally get up is six, six thirty, latest. Um, and it's a very, very rare day when I'm up at eight o'clock. Hmm. Um, no, I, I, this is, this is it. This is my, this is my time. And if I don't get up at that time, then everybody's up and I've missed my sanctuary, my yeah. beautiful time where I've got me time. And I have that lovely space with my hot water and, and lemon and, you know, ginger and I'm there hmm. and I've got my space. 
yeah it's when I do a lot of reading now as well and like if I've got things to research mm. or you know things I want to read and focus on I read so much more you know between 5 30 and 6 30 than I would later on as you said when you're like trying to keep your eyes open in the evening and it's interesting because I share a lot of the power hour and the kind of idea behind it on social media often when I post at 5 30 with a book in my bed sitting out reading people are like what on earth why are you reading at half past five you know can you and it's like I just, yeah, it's not as you described. It's not a punishment. It's kind of like, oh, get up. There's early. joy. It's literally, yeah. I'm like, there's nobody <laughs> bothering me. It's absolute bliss. It's solitude. Yeah, it's bliss. It's luxury. I'm like, guys, you're missing out. You are missing out if you are snoozing. So, yeah. That's, that's what I feel like. I might do a little hashtag missing out if you're snoozing. Literally. Oh, my gosh, fab. I mean, I could talk to you, Lindsay, all day, but I'm aware that we do need to wrap it up soon. So, if people want to find out more from you, if they want to, yeah, join one of your courses, one of your online programs, if they want to connect, what is the best way? Where should they go? Okay, so we are launching my um, my project, the, my baby, the thing that I've worked on for four years is now going live. It's called BobEarth.com. Come and become a citizen on the earth. We would love to connect with you. We've got, um, you know, we've got three and a half thousand businesses that have been through this school. If you want to join us on Facebook, we've got the Bob Earth Facebook page. And that's got, you know, about a thousand businesses in there. They're all connecting. Everybody's purpose led. So if you're going to come into the program or come onto the platform, the platform is the first purpose led platform that connects businesses all around the world to trade off a purpose. And um, if you just want to connect with me personally, you know, all the usual ones LinkedIn, Lindsay Boyd, Instagram, Twitter. We'll be Googling now. Google me, Lindsay <laughs> Boyd, <laughs> anything yeah. you like. I mean, I'm super active on social, so you can come and join me on any social channel. And if you do want to come into a school, then Bob School, we teach you how to build a business around a purpose. We teach you how to turn your profile into an asset. Or we also have a program called the L&D program that gets your business ready. It's an 18-month program to be able to take you through the recession from shock through to recovery, to through to rebuild. Well, well, I hope that people do reach out. And also, Lindsay, as I said, this has been great, but it's never enough. So I feel like now that we have reconnected, we're not going to leave it another however many years. We need to get together Eight again. Eight years! It's insane! Is- it's insane! <laughs> but we need to do either a workshop or a pro- something. I feel it. Something is going to happen and I cannot wait. So thank well, you Well, maybe we could do a call to action and ask your community, would they like a workshop or an event? Because then if they, if they say yes... We'll put it on for them. Exactly. Yes, you heard it. So, I mean, nothing really to say, but thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time today. I believe time is the most valuable thing that we all have. We can't get more of it. We can't get a refund. We can't. That's it. You know, this is what we got. So I should have actually asked you my closing question, which I asked every guest is about time, concept of the power hour. And that is we all lots of people say they're time poor. They don't have enough time for this. If I had more time, I'd do that, Adrienne, but I don't have time. So if you were given one extra hour every single day from now on, you've got 25 hours in your day. What would you use your extra hour to do? I would go and lead this country and the world into shifting the world into a new era through the eyes of brands, because there is nothing more important to me than building your business to impact an industry to go and 
make a change, positive change in the world. And so with that extra hour, I would be leading with my purpose and I'd go and have a word with some of the governments, actually, and I'd be able to go and have a little word in their ear about how can we all join the quiet revolution to be able to go and build a brand to shift an industry to impact change in the world. Amazing. I hope you get that extra hour because we all need it. We all need you to do it. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you. Thanks for listening. As always, you know, recording remotely, it's not the same as being in the studio. I love people. I love connecting with people in the studio and my wonderful producer, Jack, with the sound and everything. But we are just doing our best. We're being, we're adapting. We're doing everything we can to make this work, you know, to get online, to keep creating content and keep sharing episodes. So if you are enjoying listening to the podcast, please do let us know rate and review on itunes it really really does help to build the show to book new guests and to reach new audiences so thank you i appreciate your time and your listen have a great week see ya up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com